Abba Father, thank you for the way you're at work in our hearts as individuals and as a church, your body. Ask right now that you get us ready to bear the full burden and the responsibility of truth, your word, and how it applies to our lives and how we're to live this out and that our faith is not a theory. Our faith is a way of life. Abba, Father, thank you for the way you have mercy on us. Please bless now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Um, by the way, uh, I wanted to ask, I wanted to do this, back it up here. Did anybody have a question about anything there? Why does it say Catholic? Why does it say Catholic? Anybody? Who, what's the answer? Yeah, that's a great question. Anybody else on the word Catholic? It means universal. It means universal or general. It yeah. That's correct. Yeah. So we reflexively, because of our uh, our place in time and space, we think of the denomination, the Roman Catholic Church. They didn't exist. <laughs> they didn't. They split off the Orthodox, the Greek Orthodox Church, in about the 11th century. They don't even exist at this point. It's simply the Church Universal. Anybody else have a question? There's typically one that we struggle with. There's one more. Exactly. That's the one. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the word hell here, okay, is the word in Hebrew, Sheol, or the word in Greek, Hades or Gehenna. And it means in that culture a, a temporary place in a way, yeah, in a way uh, where we're waiting for a verdict. <laughs> it's a waiting area. And listen, we are not Hebrews. We are not ancient Mediterranean persons, nor are we Greek. But the fact is, it's there. And this is what the early, early followers of Jesus believed. Okay? And when you read 1 Peter chapter 3, he enters into this area and he preaches the gospel. And the scripture says that he leads a host of people who were once captives. You know, when you read Revelation, he is the conquering victor. Even in death, he was conquering. You know, these are ideas that we're not really familiar with. So you can search that in your Bible app, Bible Gateway, whatever app you're using, and learn more about that. Anybody else on, on this doctrinal statement? Anybody? Okay, all right, lots there. All right, we're working through the scriptures and what the New Testament church uh, is about based on the scriptures. And this is functioning as a introduction to membership at Christ Church. That if you're a part of this body, this is what is expected. This is what we are obligated with. We bear the burden of these things. So let's dig in. I want everyone to turn to Matthew 18. And today... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on two things at once, this concept of love, mercy, and grace, and forgiveness. I want to integrate those things together. And some of you may be very familiar with this, and so it may be a, a review for you. Others, it might be the first time that you're, uh, you see these things. So Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21, the issue of forgiveness is brought up. Then Peter came up and said to Jesus, to him, Lord... How many times shall my brother sin against me and I still forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, 
I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 77 times. And then Jesus tells the story. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his master commanded that he be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the master, the king of that slave, felt compassion and he released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him into prison until he would pay back what he owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their master all that had happened. Then summoning him, his master said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his master moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he would repay all that was owed him. My heavenly father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brothers from your heart. Wow, that is strong. That is very, very strong. So, let's work through this. Um, I want you to appreciate a couple things. Look at this first statement. This is a slave's debt to a king. And if you crunch the numbers, you have the idea that this slave owes a king 10,000 talents. Uh, A single talent was worth about 15 years of labor. 10,000 years of labor. That's 54 million plus days. All right. Do you understand (laughs) the gravity of this situation? That's about 121,000 generations. This is absolutely absurd debt. By the way, no king would give a slave 10,000 talents. All right. So this is a story. This is a parable. There's truth wrapped up in the story. Don't get tripped up in the details of the story. All right. No king in the ancient Mediterranean world would make a business decision to give a slave 10,000 talents. That would never, never, never happen. So we're not talking about a financial decision. We're talking about something else. This is a parable, right? So 54 plus million days of labor, 
121 plus generations based on, I crunched it at 45 years average lifespan for a, for a, a Jewish peasant in that culture. All right. So the king is forgiving the slave an absurd, radical debt. Absurdly radical, right? Now look, this is the slave's debt to a slave by comparison. If you crunch the numbers out, the denarius was a day's wage and the slave owed him a hundred days of labor. That is that percentage of 54.7 million days of labor. By comparison, it's almost nothing. It is so minor to owe 100 days of labor in comparison to 54.7 million, million days. It's just an absurd contrast of that which is great to that which is really small. Okay, now that you've got that perspective, what do you think this parable is about? I want, I want to invite you to comment. What is Matthew 18 about? When you see the radical comparison, the greatness of debt to a king and the minuscule debt peer to peer. Well, us with with God and with Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins and then we're not willing to forgive each other for these little misgivings here on earth when he's given us eternity. Yes. Wow. Rachel. Um, David? You can change there's an impact here about um, a talent being representative of the course of generations. From what I think about creation and the fall of man and how the impact of sin on all of us. This guy's, I mean, I know we're not talking about financial stuff and this doesn't happen, but if this were the case, this guy's great, 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 however far grandchildren are still impacted by his decision, by that decision that the king yeah. made. Yeah. And so if we think about original sin and the idea that even if we're not even if we're born into this as innocent babies that didn't do anything wrong, sin still impacts us as a result of the fall of man in Genesis. What Adam and Eve did. Yeah, that's very, very good patch. Uh, someone else on the significance of Matthew 18, Michael. The, um, it just strikes me that the 10,000 talents, it's not just a debt, but it's a debt that can never be paid. Never, never. And the only way that the debt can be paid to play on that word is if the debt is released or forgiven right that's the only way that kind of a debt is going to be forgiven so okay um anybody else this is really serious (laughs) it's really serious yeah i mean america it's already past the absurd component yeah and what it would take for us as individuals to pay back the debt on this nation. Just, we're all bankrupt at that point. From, from those who are given much, much of Ah, why? How so, Ed? That's really good. How so? Talk, talk about that. Well, I mean, it's scriptural. But, um, the, uh, that idea that we have been given much mercy and grace. Yeah, yeah. And from, from us, we are expected to operate out of that. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So if God's forgiven me much, then I need to extend that out to others. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, is there any way that this can be, what's that? Give us our debts as we have forgiven. Yeah, oh, that's so good, that's so good. 
Is, is, is there, can this be misused and abused? This idea? How so? How can, we, how can forgiveness become an abusive thing? When you stop thinking about how much you need to forgive others, and you start expecting forgiveness from others. Okay, that's good. Yep, yep. And you walk around pouting. Somebody please forgive me. Sure. What else? What about in spousal abuse? Do you take your posture? Well, I forgive you. Go ahead and punch me out again. I'll always forgive you. No, you never, you never use this text to endorse or turn a blind eye to spousal abuse or family abuse. You never do that. You don't do that. Um, do, do the scriptures teach about shunning? Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes the great act of mercy is you shun because there's people who need to be protected. Right. So don't, don't misunderstand this. Let's dig. I want you to see these scriptures. There's, there's going to be several. Ed's already referred to a couple of them. So blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God and by implication daughters of God. You know, there are some people who are really good at being a troublemaker. But Jesus is telling us that we who are his followers should be peacemakers, meaning our job is to help repair damaged relationships not destroy relationships. So that idea is repeated by Paul in Second Corinthians. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling, which means putting back together, the world to himself. Not counting their, wrong do- their wrongdoings against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors or representatives for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God through him. Look at this group. This is John 20. This is going to be a little difficult for us maybe. So Jesus said to them, by the way, they're in the upper room. The door's locked. The resurrection's happened. And Jesus pops into the room. And it's, there he is, you know, that's the scene. And he says to them, peace be to you. Just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. There's John's great commission. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, their sins have been retained. Wow. What does that mean? I want to open it up for you guys. What does that mean that, that these apostles can forgive sins and they're forgiven? Or retain them and they're retained or unforgiven? What do you think's going on here? And does that hint at something? What do you think? The forgiveness that they're empowered to give comes from the Holy Spirit. Gotcha. That's, got, that's good. Somebody else. 
Does this hint at something? Yes, absolutely. Boy, can you see if you're a liturgical Greek Orthodox or a liturgical Catholic, you're going to say apostolic succession, started with Jesus, went to the 12, and then whoever the next bishop is represents those apostles. And so if you want to be forgiven, it's going to be through me. I'll see you at the confessional booth. And if I wave or declare forgiveness, you're forgiven. Do you think that's what it means? Okay, Philip says no. Aaron says no. Anybody else? Michael? I was going to say, just to add on to what you said, is that that's, those words aren't just given to those in, those room, uh, in the room at the time. Uh, that's directed towards us as well. For those who Very good, yeah. have the Holy Spirit. Right, right. So, all right, here's a couple ways to interpret this. You ready? They've been given the Great Commission. As I have been sent, I'm sending you, right? Are we in agreement there? Okay, let's hold that, Freddie. Let's hold the course on, on this is the Great Commission of the Gospel. What if it means this? You 12 men, when you preach the Gospel and someone believes it, their sins are forgiven. And when they refuse it, then you do not acknowledge that they have accepted Christ and they've repented. Their sins are retained. Game changer, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's the core of it because it's anchored in a great commission. I'm sending you out. You're going to go out and preach the gospel to all the world. And the ones that you acknowledge repentance and faith in Jesus, their sins are forgiven. Those that don't, they're not. I think it's also anchored in the part right before where it says receive the Holy Spirit. That yes. The Holy Spirit gives us that discernment. It's yeah. not us alone. It's us with the Holy Spirit. That is so good. Thank you. Now, is there is there a legitimate application? Legit. That if you're struggling with a sin issue and you've asked forgiveness a hundred times, <laughs> nobody would do that here, right? <laughs> Ask forgiveness for the same sin again and again and again. But let's say you do. And you come to me and you say, Chris, I've got guilt. I, can't, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. And we have a good session together and I share scripture with you. And I say to you, hey, you're forgiven. Walk that out. Can that be helpful? Am I in, am I in a position to be a spiritual authority in your life? Can I? Am I? Should I? <laughs> and if the answer is yes, and I say, look, we've wrestled with the scriptures together. I see your tears. Your heart is repentant. You're forgiven. Let's not, let's not keep going back and get hung up on the idea that you're almost trying to have faith in your own ability to have faith. Or you're having, trying to have faith in your own ability to repent. Let's not trip up there. This is not man. This is not the work of man. This is the work of God. You're forgiven. Go and sin no more. That's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. And that would be one of the most loving things I could do. Ephesians 4, Ed, you hinted at this as well. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander must be removed from you. By the way, when it says you, is that the individual or is that the church, Sabrina? It's the church. All that stuff needs to be cleaned out of the church along with all malice, be kind to one another, 
compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Yeah, Janice? Exactly. The individual. Yeah, yeah. So can one bad apple spoil a whole bunch? Actually, no, they can't. They don't have that much power. Um, Congratulations, we can't knock God off his throne. You're not that strong, Janice, right? I'm not. But, But it does have a polluting effect. When there's somebody bitter in it, that's bitter in church, or there's someone who's a hypocrite in church, Right? And, and their, their gossips and their slant and they're so sharp tongued that they're good at finding what's wrong in other people, but they won't find out what's wrong or admit what's wrong in their own lives. Yeah. And so the solution to that is it's got to be addressed. Bitterness has got to be addressed. And the practice of forgiving each other. By the way, is forgiveness a one and done? No, it's an ongoing ongoing daily thing that we learn and we remember hi my name's chris perry i owed god ten thousand talents of moral debt of sin debt and i was forgiven in his son jesus christ and i therefore must forgive others yeah just a few more matthew 6 you're very familiar with this he teaches us to pray our father who is in heaven hallowed be your name Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as Ed has already alluded, that if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not, forgive other people, then your Heavenly Father will not forgive you your offenses. It's interesting, Ed. The guy is declared, the king says, forgiven, 10,000 talents of debt, 54.7 million days of labor canceled. And he's like, oh, I won the lottery with God. I'm so happy. And then he goes out and finds his buddy that owes him 100 days of labor, almost not even measurable by comparison. Chokes him and says, pay it back. I will. No, no, pay it back now. No, no. The same words. Have mercy, have mercy. And he refuses, puts him in debtor's prison. It's a labor camp is what that is. And what does the king do, Ed? He reverses his decision. First Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous, love does not brag, it is not arrogant, it does not act disgracefully or shamefully, it does not seek its own benefit, it is not provoked, does not keep an account of a wrong suffered. The guy that was forgiven an astronomical level of debt kept an account of a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It keeps every confidence. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. 
This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So this idea of love and mercy and forgiveness, it's an interactive loop and it just keeps going. These are dynamics that should be in our daily lives. Now, let's do this. Um, If you're a married couple, if you're married, how should love, mercy, and forgiveness function in your marriage? And if it did, what would your marriage be like? What do you think? Don't anybody say anything. (laughs) Just kidding. What do you think? If those, if those were normative in your marriage, what would your marriage be like? Amazing. What's that? It would be amazing. Yeah, it really has the potential to be an amazing thing. If you, sorry, if you reciprocated, in other words, it wouldn't be 100%, 100% either way. You'd yeah. have equal 100% yeah. investment in one another for providing yeah. that for each other. Yeah, that's so good. So, somebody else? Anybody? If this was normative in your marriage, how could it change your life? It brings you closer to God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Peaceful, yeah. I mean, you know, not having that. Yeah, yeah. By by the way, I know you know this, from a a neurological or an endocrinology perspective, do you know what kind of hormones have to be excreted? just from your adrenal glands to maintain bitterness, what, what it does to your body to fuel, hormonally fuel a bitter spirit, an unforgiving spirit. That's a lot of cortisol, that's a lot of adrenaline to be angry, stay angry and hold on to it and it will exhaust you if you're unforgiving. It's exhausting. Have you ever seen someone and they look like, they're the most exhausted, beat-up people. They look, let me just pick some numbers to make my point. They look like they're 80 years old, but they're only 40. <laughs> and then you find out they're so full of bitterness and resentment, and they're, they're so sour. It's because they have stress hormones coursing through them all day because to them, life is not fair, and they resent it. And they have never mastered, mastered the skill set of forgiveness. And they're, they're just bitter. They're just bitter, sour, dried up people. A good uh, visual representation of that is a president when he enters and leaves office. That's the same kind of stress you put your body through. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. So how does this apply to somebody who's not married a single person? You're single, you're 25, 35, whatever it is, you're single, and you're interacting in your, your relationships. One thing, whether married or not, we harbor unforgiveness. We give that person power over our life. Wow. We need to give the Holy Spirit power over our life. In marriage, in life, in singlehood. So, you know, if that's, when you don't forgive, I'm going to allow you to have this control over me. I'm choosing not to forgive you. Yeah. Oh, that's so good, Lee. That is so good. I love that saying that uh, anger and unforgiveness is like thinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. That's so good, Edie. Yeah. So, Edie, in a, in a very real way, a forgiving spirit is healthy. Right? It's just healthy. Can you imagine... Uh, 
your day of reckoning when you're going to stand before the throne of God? The great king? Can you imagine that day? And you have walked out mercy. You've walked out forgiveness. You've had this amazing forgiving spirit. Based on Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 5, you get to approach the throne boldly. You don't have to, now I'm borrowing from 1, Peter, or 1 John 3, you don't have to tuck your tail in shame and think, oh man, I'm going to get it now. Oh, oh, what was I thinking back then? Oh, and, and it's like, oh man, too late now. <laughs> but what if you've been the person that you've mastered the command to love and you've mastered the command to forgive and you're like, where, where is he? I, Oh, there he is. Oh, and you're just like, come here, you know, can, you know, I want a hug. Can you imagine that kind of a entree into the throne of grace? Wow. It's really healthy to forgive, Edie. It's really, really healthy. So, someone else. Yeah, and sometimes we have to forgive ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Anybody else? Okay. Here's what I want you to do. Um, I want to pray over you, and then I want us to take a minute just to think, you know, is there somebody, to borrow Lee's wisdom, living rent-free in your head? (laughs) Somebody living rent-free in your head, and you need to serve an eviction notice through this thing called forgiveness. We pray, and then we'll, we'll do some, some deep soul-searching. Abba, Father, thank you for each person that's here, those listening online. God, please, um, Holy Spirit, put your searchlight on us. Go to the dark places where we hide things. Please move it from the darkness to the light, the light of your Holy Spirit, please. Is there someone the Holy Spirit is asking you to forgive? Is there something you need forgiveness for? confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness now's your time to give and receive forgiveness Father, thank you 
Thank you for mercy beyond anything we could measure. Thank you that your love gives us hope and faith, hope and love remain. And love is the greatest of all. And you want us to be people who give and receive love. And in so doing, we forgive and we know mercy. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love. Hear our hearts when we sing songs about our love for you, please. In Jesus' name, amen.